I'm Ben Shaw, and you're listening to Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. But I'm sitting a little ways from San Francisco Bay in Cabo San Lucas Bay, surrounded by jet skis, party boats, paragliders, and oh, so much more. It's quite a contrast to the mostly empty coast that we paralleled coming down from Ensenada all the way here to the tip of Baja. But it's been a nice stop. We've enjoyed Cabo and some of the quieter coves nearby. We've been able to reprovision, get fuel, get ice, get propane. Uh, there's a Walmart, there's a Costco, all the conveniences of home. So we know some other boats here too, we're buddy boating with, so it's been good to catch up with people. There are many boats heading south from the West Coast this time of year. And one of them is captained by my guest today. Andre Lay is a licensed captain who has set himself the goal of circumnavigating North America in a compact trawler. When we spoke in September, he hadn't departed San Francisco, neither had we. But since then, he's come down the coast, past Cabo, where I am, and is currently in Barra de Navidad on the Mexican mainland soon headed for El Salvador. I like Andre's style because he's doing this trip simply to prove to himself that he can, to meet people and see what's out there. As he talks about in our interview, he'd also like to raise awareness for chronic fatigue syndrome along the way, if he can. It's a disease his father suffers with, and he's seen the toll it can take. But as Andre says, while we're talking, he's not out there to change the world by going around it. He's just out there to experience it. So let's experience this interview. Here we go. My name's Andre Lay. Um, I'm uh, British born, but I've lived uh, uh, in, in the U.S. since I was two years old. And I grew up in the East Bay. So I uh, lived in the same house for 26 years and I've uh, I've lived overseas and I've uh, did my higher education in Colorado. Um, but alas, I have returned back to the Bay Area. Um, so this is virtually where home is. And I understand you're about to leave the Bay Area and set out on a pretty uh, long voyage. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yes, I am. So um, I'm... I'm the proud owner of a new boat. Um, and uh, before I even uh, took delivery of this boat, I, I've been interested in the Northwest Passages. So that's the, um, you know, the, the sea area above the Canadian Arctic. And um, in, in, you know, as, as years have gone by um, with the, uh, the with the way that the climate's going globally, they um, it's been easier and easier, more reliable to uh, to actually make a passage up there. Um, so you know, as the summers are a little bit warmer, maybe the winters a little bit warmer. Um, it's the sea ice is more reliably retreating, and so um, you don't necessarily need an icebreaker anymore to make that passage up there. Um, I. I, I somehow got the idea that, gosh, you know, with this boat I'm getting, um, 
I think it's going to be a pretty good boat to do that sort of a, a passage. And so that idea was born. And I first, I first had the idea of going west to east. So, you know, basically Alaska over to, you know, call it New York or something. Um, and that's, you know, that's all, that's all good and well. But then I thought, well, then my boat's over on the East Coast. Um, it'd be a little bit anticlimactic to, you know, truck it back across the country. And so I started looking at, you know, ocean currents and things. And I quickly decided, you know, if I go counterclockwise, I can circumnavigate the entire continent of North America um, using the ocean currents to, to push me along, generally speaking, and following the seasons, uh, avoiding things I don't want, like hurricanes, um, uh, obviously uh, winter in the Arctic, you know, I, I can't transit then. So I quickly had the idea, let's just go counterclockwise um, as, it, as if transiting the Northwest Pass isn't, isn't a big enough uh, uh, endeavor. You know, there go I um, suggesting that I just circumnavigate the entire continent. And <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the vessel that you are the new owner of. Sure. Um, you know, I came across this uh, this boat back in oh, 2018 or so when when I, I I had I was I currently owned a boat. Um, I had done a lot of rehab on it and I loved the boat, but kind of the love affair was over. And so I was I was idly perusing uh, other boats and I've, I've always had a, a spot for a trawler i've never owned one or really spent much time on one but i really like the idea of the efficiency and because they're inherently slower than other power boats um you know they're more like bigger sailboat speeds you know the efficiency and the inherent seaworthiness of them kind of turns me on but to have a trawler that can go long distances you generally need a pretty big one right i mean so I was looking at affordable trawlers, of which there's not many, but there's a guy uh, named Ritzo who um, he himself was looking for a boat and he couldn't find it. He couldn't find what he wanted. He wanted something compact with um, minimal systems and minimal maintenance. Um, and it, it simply didn't exist. And, and you know, and, and this is within a, um, a certain dollar range, you know, I mean, you know, he, he, he wanted something that could go far, but wouldn't have two commas in the, uh, in the price tag, if you know what I mean. So he designed yeah. this boat himself and it's called a sea piper. Uh, she's 36 feet in length and narrow and beam. I found it very interesting. And, uh, that is what I wound up buying. So I got hole number 14 and took delivery of it. Um, first thing this year. Wow. Well, I'm fascinated by this because um, <clears throat> I know you've done boat sailing and a lot of motor boat passages and deliveries. I know so little about what the differences would be. I mean, even sailors who go through the Northwest Passage spend most of their time motoring because it's a narrow passage and you're trying to get through before ice blocks your way. But talk to me a little bit about what the main differences are of taking a trawler as opposed to to a sailboat um, on this circumnavigation of North America. I mean, I'm curious, fuel, how, how, how do you, can you carry enough fuel? Yeah, sure. Um, 
so so I should say that uh, you know I'm 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 in the the prime of my working years. You know I'm not I'm not some uh, newly retired optometrist that has a lot of money to throw at something and decides to buy a a, a boat on a lark for the first time. My career is as a licensed maritime captain. You know I grew up um, around boats, uh, both power and sail. So. It, it's it is fair to say that i i'm just a i'm just a boat guy through and through you know um i love the water i love boats of all shapes and sizes but this um this particular trawler so again designed for efficiency from the ground up for, so for uh I'll, I'll just give a few examples of the efficiency is um uh or the items that that lend itself towards efficiency so the propeller shaft angle is only one half of one degree so that means most of that um uh energy that the propeller is producing is actually turned into uh forward motive power uh also the full length keel uh protects the propeller uh the large rudder um has great authority and with the uh relative narrowness of this beam it um it all lends itself to really sailboat efficiency. And when, when I say sailboat efficiency, I'm talking, you know, when, when the sailboat is under, uh, under auxiliary engine power. Uh huh. Um, so she's equipped with a single uh, four cylinder diesel engine. Um, that is uh, it's a marinized Kubota block. So a lot of your listeners will probably be familiar with beta Marine. It's a marinized sure. Kubota block. Yeah. It's a, uh, 85 horsepower, um, specifically chosen because when it when it needs repair and maintenance, uh, you don't need somebody with a laptop computer and special uh, software to come out and diagnose and and repair the thing. So your your um, call it average uh, sailor with with uh, a reasonable working knowledge of uh, diesel mechanics can uh can repair this thing uh that includes me you know i'm not a diesel mechanic but i you know i know the difference between a uh a cooling water hose and a uh diesel injection uh diesel fuel injection line for example yeah. you can't help but have to learn some of that along the way you must you absolutely must uh so so this boat holds uh 200 gallons of fuel um and the range is best case scenario 2000 nautical miles approximately 1 hour per gallon mhm mm mhm mm what are some of the other factors you're considering as you think about this journey uh northwest passage i imagine there are aren't that many fuel stop there's stops there pro probably aren't that many places to stop and reprovision uh how are you going about the planning and the thinking about uh the self-sufficiency and the journey itself sure well i will say that i um i am an adventurer and i i i do some things that let's call them calculated risks uh that i've done throughout my life and it's happy to report i've i've survived all of it but you know some of them have been close calls and things and um it's not the close calls that that um give me a thrill it's just i i found a way to 
succinctly tell people why I do some things that I do. And it's that it's not that I'm trying to escape life, but I'm trying to prevent life from escaping. Doing something like a big trip like this um, is, you know, I mean, God forbid I perish uh, doing something like this. At least people can know that, you know, he really died doing what he loved and uh, which is to explore the world and uh, uh, meet new people, probably most of all, and experiencing this this earth uh, while, you know, while I'm still on it. Tell us There's, about some of the close scrapes that you've gotten yourself into before. I was doing a, a passage from Southampton, England to St. Lucia in the Caribbean. Um, that was a delivery of a Beneteau First 50, and it was a brand new boat. Uh, the owner was not on board, but he wanted to get it to the Caribbean for charter season. We left Southampton. It was on or around Thanksgiving, and we were a crew of five. And our first stop would be uh, somewhere in Portugal. And that means that we needed to transit the Bay of Biscay. And the Bay of Biscay is notoriously volatile. And with, with the way the air currents work, the water currents and the uh, bathymetric topography, it lends itself to having um, very steep seas and particularly in certain times of year. And so it's, it's discussed that you don't want to cross the Bay of Biscay in, uh, in a pleasure boat beyond a certain date. And we were decidedly going to be beyond that date. We enter the Bay of Biscay and uh, call it uh, beginning of December. It was one of the scariest times of my life. So I remember coming out of the companionway one night to, to go on watch. And all I could see behind the boat was a wall of water. I couldn't see sky at all. And it absolutely terrified me. I would think there is absolutely no way this boat is going to rise above that water. Well, alas, we did. And when I got on watch, I remember thinking how time would kind of expand. And the situation was so, it seemed so precarious to me. We were, I think we we're under a storm sail only at this point, either that or bare poles running before the these large seas. I remember getting behind the wheel and it wasn't just a day to day anymore let's keep this thing afloat it wasn't hour to hour even it it became just minute to minute i would tell myself my job my only job the only most important thing in this world right now is to keep this boat on course and if i can do that then i am doing my best and that's what i would do for one minute at a time for four hour stretches you know spoiler alert we did make it. Everything was fine. <laughs> the boat, the boat did handle it great. But I, I'm not going to throw out a number of how how high the waves were because it's sort of like uh, catching the biggest fish. You know, each each year that passes, that fish gets you know another two sure. inches longer. But I will tell you that the times that we did have the mainsail up, when we would get into a trough of a wave, the the mainsail would lose all of its wind and it would it would go it would be uh, completely unpowered until we'd rise uh to the crest of the next wave so the water was high enough that the the top of the mast was not feeling any wind wow that does sound like a uh, 
a scary situation. Were you running in front of a drogue or was it just, uh, just uh, the boat? No. Yeah, we we didn't uh, deploy a drogue. I don't remember if we had one actually, but you know, it, it was it's something like 300 miles across the Bay of Biscay and it, it took us every bit of three days. So mm. um, it must've been know, exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. And, and, and the feeling of triumph, you know, with your fellow crew members at, at the end is obviously it's unforgettable. You know, that was maybe 10 years ago and I remember yeah. it like it was yesterday. What in your past or your personality do you think um, encourages you to embrace life in this way? As you say, you're not, you don't see it as taking undue risk, but you just don't want to let life pass you by. Is there anything in particular in you? Yes, yes. And that's a great question, Ben. Um, uh, my answer is um, primarily my dad. Um, I, I've been very lucky that my dad um, ha- has uh, uh, basically been around, you know, he was able to spend a lot of time with me as I grew up because he never went into the office per se. He had sold us business overseas, uh, had a business manufacturing exercise equipment. He was semi-retired for my entire upbringing. So he was able to spend a lot of time with me and my sister. And um, my dad's awfully adventurous. And we would do everything from going camping to learning how to sail a a Hobie cat to, uh, you know, learning how to rock climb. Just because why not? You know, this is something I could we can do together. Let's go learn something entirely new the adventurous spirit i think was really fostered by my by my uh mom and dad but my dad in particular now i understand you're doing this voyage with a purpose in mind not just for completing the circumnavigation of north america you want to do it for a cause tell us about that sure um i i uh for something you know this is the biggest biggest adventure I'll be doing to date. And I think it's important enough that, I mean, I think it's really cool, obviously, but um, I I want other people, you know, some might think it's cool. Some might think it's not, some might think it's um, unnecessary, but for those that care, um, I want to use the platform to uh, raise awareness for chronic fatigue syndrome. And the reason I care about chronic fatigue syndrome is because my dear father has been afflicted with it for the past, oh, three decades or so. So I'll give you a brief synopsis on it. Uh, my, My dad was a bodybuilder and he was a bodybuilder in a time and place where the only bodybuilders were kind of sort of freaks and the freaks were all on Venice Beach in California. And here's my dad from Blackpool, England, um, with a few of his his friends that got into bodybuilding. But this was before the time of uh, home gyms, public gyms, uh, things like that. So so they would cobble equipment together using, you know, uh, axles, um, small train wheels and things like that. And that's how they would they would do their exercises. And. He he found that they were using so much energy to just swap between the the exercises that they weren't able to focus enough on the actual mechanics of the exercises themselves. So, for example, simply swap between bench press and deadlift or deadlift and squat. 
because he figured there's got to be a better way, a more efficient way to to do the mechanics of the exercise. And uh, he produced machines that we are familiar with today. So, a, for example, a single unit where you can do multiple exercises on that one unit. Say, uh, on the front, you can do uh, lat pull downs. On the other side, you can do uh, uh, calf raises. On the other side, you're doing uh, bench press. And huh. um, yeah, and so he uh, invented the pin selection weight rack. So you've got the the stack of weight, and you use the pin to select how much of that weight you're you're going to use. That's what his business was, was manufacturing that equipment and getting it into armies. And, you know, eventually as time went on, you know, public gyms became more of a thing and home gyms. Weightlifting is obviously inherently not for the lazy. You know, it is all about real focused effort and doing it when you just don't feel like it. You always push through and you always find the energy to do one more rep. And so... My dad was, you know, inspiring in that he 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 had the, the the drive to do this. And then when he was about 50, he started just feeling tired. I remember noticing it when, you know, I'd say, hey, dad, let's go to the lake or something and, uh, you know, go for, for a swim. And slowly it started to be, no, not today. And no, I don't feel good today. It turns out he was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. It's clinical. It's more than just being tired for a, an obvious reason, like you've just ran a marathon, for example. I mean, next day, you're going to be tired for for reasons that were not obvious. He would, he would experience his fatigue. And now combined with old age, it's um, it can be very difficult for a person. And, and without you know, seeing him live with it, but without actually having it myself, I can, I can only imagine what it's like through, through, uh, observing him and him explaining, um, what it's like. And he says that no matter how much rest he gets, he doesn't ever feel refreshed afterwards. Uh, a bad day, simply walking to the mailbox, you might as well be asking him to, uh, take a long haul flight to China you know, just absolutely deflates a person. And it, you know, you can't help but suffer depression and things from that, especially when, when you used to be able to do so much. So it's, it's a syndrome, Ben, that is, uh, doesn't afflict a a large portion of the population. And so there's not a lot of um, uh, uh, research done on it. You know, there's not a lot of funding done for it as opposed to uh, a more common, uh, disease, you know, say affecting the heart or uh, cancer or something like that. Um, so, but tell me about how you, how you plan to raise awareness during the during the trip. Is it simply um, awareness, or are you trying to raise money as well for research? Well, I I am trying to raise money as well, and um, what I've done so far is uh, I've got a GoFundMe page. Um, but you know, I'll I'll be honest with you, Ben. I'm I am not into social media. Um, it, it's just a personal choice, I guess. It's just, it's simply something that doesn't um, doesn't attract me. But in this day and age, you know, if you want to raise awareness, raise money, um, let people know who you are. I mean, let's face it; it's got to be on the line. It's got to be on the internet. 
Well, that raises um, an interesting question for me I, that I was going to ask you. I'll ask it now. Um, are the, is there a way for people to follow you? Because so many people who are out now, whether they're doing just their own small travels or big adventures like you, um, document the trip. Are, are, do you have a website or any way, way that people can follow you? Um, you know, I, uh, my, 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 my girlfriend told me, you know, Andre, you've got to have this, you got to have, Ben's going to ask you this question. You've got to have an answer for him. And, um, <laughs> and hey, I, hey, Andre, you know what? I, if you say, no, I don't, and I'm doing this just for myself, there's uh -huh. something very refreshing in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I am doing it for myself. Um, you, mostly, you know, but, uh, um, to avoid being so selfish and try to be a bit altruistic, it's, you know, that's why I want, want to, uh, tie it in with chronic fatigue, but short answer, no, right now I don't have a website. I mean, I do have a, you know, the GoFundMe, which is, um, uh, the proceeds would go towards, uh, funding for chronic fatigue research. Um, I think it's something like, uh, help me circumnavigate North America on Go GoFundMe. Um, mm -hmm. so um, I've, you know, I've almost thought about, you know, maybe I need to hire someone to help me navigate this social media stuff. Cause I'm, I am all in with just preparing myself and the, and the vessel, uh, for this trip. And, you know, to me, social media, it just doesn't come naturally. It's such an interesting and conundrum. Yeah. I mean, it, I, the, for so many, uh, particularly, I mean, we're about the same age and, and, and for our generation, it's, Social media is something we've had to learn. We haven't grown up with it necessarily. And there's this push-pull of, um, you know, you say, oh, maybe it's selfish for me not to have it. But, you know, I, I think there's something maybe a little selfish about everybody wanting to show everybody else in the world what they're doing. Um, I, it, I have this push-pull towards it and away from it as well and i you know unfortunately it is the reality of the world we live in now that if you're if you're not there then you're not seen but um i don't know what i'm trying to get right. at here. well yeah yes yeah but it, it it's maybe it's also selfish to keep it all to oneself um you know when when i like to go backpacking i like to get into nature and do it without a camera in front of my face or, you know. Um, I think that's what I wanted to say was like, there is a balance of enjoying whatever the adventure is in the moment for yourself that can be spoiled if you're always thinking about how am I telling the story? One, 100%. And, and it, it, there's a, a pure uh, visceral beauty that comes with, um, some of the amazing things that that we get to see in this world, you know, maybe the first time you see bioluminescence or um, a, a pod of uh, seemingly 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 endless pod of dolphins stretching to the horizon, galloping along with you in the sunset. I mean, that is so heart achingly beautiful. It could almost make a person cry. It's so beautiful um, to experience that you know, yourself and, and maybe with someone else is amazing, but also to um, maybe write about it is also uh, a, a great way to share it because there's 101 ways to, to share experiences. It doesn't, you know, I know it doesn't have to be Instagram, um, 
you know, I do like to write and, uh, you know, my first, uh, trans-Pacific passage, I, um, uh, I wrote about it and, uh, I had a, had a following there and it was so enjoyable to sit down and, um, you know, put, put words on a page and, and know that people were, um, genuinely interested in all this. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. say, they say, you know, living vicariously through, through us. What would you like people to know about this journey that we haven't talked about? Um, I'd, I'd like people to know that, um, it takes, uh, all emotions will be experienced. Um, I mean, there's time, there's multiple times every single day when I am absolutely ecstatic over the moon. There's times when I am petrified thinking, what on earth am I thinking, man? I mean, isn't it easier just to, uh, keep doing what I'm doing, you know, go to work, come home, um, you know, uh, stay close to loved ones. And you know what, that, that is easier that I think that is easier, Ben. Um, you know, I, I know how to do all that. Um, but there's, there's just something that pulls at, at, at maybe not everyone, but for someone with my personality, there's just, I just know that there's something there, there's so much to experience out there. And I want to, I want to grab it. I want to feel it. You know, again, it's like, don't let life escape, man. Um, and, but that's just me, you know, I mean, if, if you're happy doing exactly what you're doing, then, 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 then that's great. You know, it, it reminds me of a quote by, uh, I think Alex Lowe, the famous, uh, climber. He said, the best climbers in the world is the one having the most fun. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to change the world by going around part of it, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to experience it, experience it, man. I, so I'm noticing that as I prepare, you know, there's, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, I worry about, uh, leaving friends, uh, and, and loved ones, you know, um, but you know, it made, made me make the decision that my first major leg will end in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, where I will leave the boat for a month and I will fly home for Christmas. Um, and there's, you know, I've got a friend down there so I can see a familiar face, uh, come home, um, spend Christmas with, uh, uh, family and friends, and then I can return back to the boat and continue on. We may run into each other in the Sea of Cortez. I'm not sure exactly when we're taking off, but we're looking to head south, uh, this fall as well. What's the name of your trawler so people can keep an eye out for you? I've named the boat Cavendish that's spelled cave and dish cavendish which is a, a special name uh uh to my family i've been told it's a very uh british sounding name and the manufacturer is called sea piper one word sea piper like the bird i believe um the brand is uh newly owned by seattle yachts and so they're uh, being produced in anacortes washington now I do have uh, AIS, and so um, if you're within range and you see Cavendish, well, there I am. Give a holler. Well, <laughs> I hope we can cross paths as we head south. And thank you so much for sharing your story and your upcoming adventure. This has been great. Thanks, Ben. Um, 
I'm really glad we got to connect, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to talk about all things boats with you and a little bit more. Fair winds, and you know, may the sun be upon the shoulders of you and your listeners. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's show. As Andre said, he doesn't really have any social media to follow, but if you want to go online to Vessel Tracker or one of the other AIS websites, you can look his boat up. You can follow Dovka, our boat, on AIS or at dovka.com where I sporadically post or on Instagram at svdovka. You can also, of course, follow the show at outthegatesailing or email me at outthegatesailing at gmail.com. Send me questions, comments, ideas for shows. Uh, Love to hear from listeners. I'm your host, Ben Shaw, and until next time, smooth sailing. Smooth sailing.